At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. As the mayhem continues, conference tournament action galore with several exciting finishes here on Wednesday. And the action only going to get better when we flip to Thursday and get closer to the weekend as these tournaments will finally hit their quarterfinal rounds and semifinals, et cetera, et cetera. But lots of exciting action here on uh, Wednesday, including uh, a game that I bet, you probably bet, we all bet. Seemed like everybody was all over Oregon State against Oregon. A little Civil War rivalry action. The Ducks injured Best player not playing, even though Oregon State, 3-28 and 28 overall. Just one win in conference play. It seemed like everyone was on the Beavers, plus nine, nine and a half. And that should have been the first indication that that was the wrong side to be on. But I got suckered in. I did. I did. And it was live. It, listen, it wasn't a game where you thought Oregon State was going to win ever. The game started, I think it was 12 nothing <laughs> in the first couple of minutes of the game. But at the end, there was a chance. And 
It was just a couple of bad, easy looks for Oregon, unnecessary baskets at the end that pushed this lead up to 14, where it would close. So Oregon advances in the Pac-12 tournament as they beat Oregon State. Elsewhere in the Pac-12 tournament, exciting finishes galore as we had Stanford beating Arizona State 71-70 to as they advanced. And Arizona State was a team that a lot of people were talking about, win this game, maybe be dangerous, see what happens. But Stanford gets the win. They advance. In the Big East, we saw Butler beat Xavier in overtime 89-82. St. John's Cruz passed DePaul 92-73. And Seton Hall send Patrick Ewing's Georgetown Hoyas home, ending their nightmare. Georgetown this season did not win a single game in conference play. 0-19 in the conference and losing their first game of the Big East tournament. Although they made it close. Seton Hall closed as a a 9.5 point favorite. They only won by 4. So Georgetown got the cover. In fact, Georgetown had a three-point lead at the half. And Seton Hall had to come from behind to win that game. So credit to Seton Hall for taking care of their business and not falling to a team that has not won a game in conference this season. At Syracuse, we talked about them last night. I made fun of Dave Ross because he wanted to pick uh, Syracuse as a long shot to win the ACC tournament. And I mockingly said they're not even going to beat Florida State. We had Jim Rudon from the three-man weave who said he loved Syracuse in that game against Florida State. And we should have listened to Jim Root because he's right more than he's not. And Syracuse dominated the Seminoles 96-57. They were hitting their threes. And now they advance to take on Duke in the second in the next round of the ACC tournament. So uh, that might be it for the Syracuse Orange. Boston College in overtime upsets Wake Forest 82-77. Wake closed as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. We had a buzzer beater between Virginia Tech and Clemson in overtime as the Hokies win 76-75. Virginia Tech closed as a five-point favorite. And they get the win, not the cover. And then Virginia gets the win over Louisville, 51-50. They were six-point favorites. They did not cover. Um, So we're seeing the dogs do pretty well so far in a lot of these conference tournaments, especially here in the ACC. In the Big Ten, Northwestern defeats Nebraska 71-69, Penn State over Minnesota, 60-51. And uh, you wonder now, for a team like um, Vatek, as we talked about, who got that buzzer-beating victory, 
that might save them from missing out on the NCAA tournament. They are a true bubble team that on the latest version of Joe Lenardi's bracketology is amongst the first four out of the tournament. But that win keeps them alive in the ACC tournament. And if they can upset Notre Dame on Thursday, I got to believe that Vatek is in the tournament. These games are the ones that you have to focus on. The bubbles. The teams that desperately need these wins. For example, Xavier was a team that needed the win. And they lose to Butler. And you got to really question now. Does Xavier get in to the NCAA tournament? They were six-and-a-half-point favorites, and they lose in overtime to Butler. And before today, they were amongst the final teams in the tournament, meaning they were going to be in the first four in Dayton. But with that loss, that might, that might be it for Xavier. They're certainly right there on the cusp of that bubble. And if a team like Vatek, who's behind them, got a win, and if they get another win against Notre Dame, you're going to have to elevate Vatek, and you're going to bump out Xavier. Vatek might be a live underdog here against Notre Dame on Thursday. In the Big Ten, we have a similar situation. Indiana plays Michigan. Michigan is a two-and-a-half-point favorite Thursday morning. Indiana right now is in that first four out. Michigan is going to get into the NCAA tournament. Even if Michigan loses this game, at worst, Michigan is playing in the first four in Dayton even though I think right now they're not. Right now, Michigan is going to be one of those final teams that has a um, one of those final teams with the bye. So they're going to be, I guess, an 11th seed. If you're looking at Michigan, where does Lenardi have them? Lenardi has them as an 11th seed in the West, which is probably, that's fair. Because the two play-in games for the uh, Power 5 schools are for 12 seeds. You have a 12-seed play-in game in the um, East and a 12-seed play-in game in the Midwest. And then you're going to have two play-in games for the 16 seeds for the the mid-majors. If Indiana beats Michigan, Indiana's got a case to get in. Don't know if it's good enough to automatically say that they're in. But again, you have to look at the teams that they're just behind as well. And that's going to determine if they could jump up or not. So Indiana beats Michigan. 
Does Michigan drop down a little bit? Maybe. But again, we're not talking about Michigan because I think that they're in no matter what. But if Indiana wins, we already saw Xavier lose. Let's say now in the American Athletic Conference, we're going to see SMU on Friday. What if they lose? They're another bubble team. Also on Friday in the Big Ten, Rutgers, what if they lose? They're a team right there on the bubble as well. Indiana's got a lot to play for, and I like backing these teams that are playing for their tournament lives. So, Virginia, who is, they've got a lot of work to do to get in. A lot of work to do. Tony Bennett's got the experience. He knows what it's going to take. But they got through step one, which was winning this game on Wednesday. And now they're going to have to win again on Thursday against North Carolina. If Virginia upsets North Carolina, they got a chance. If Virginia Tech upsets Notre Dame, they got a chance. I'm going to be looking to back those two schools in the ACC tournament, as well as Indiana against Michigan and anybody else who is fighting for their tournament lives. We'll continue to break down the basketball coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. fresh start and we mean a real fresh start with lasting change take the zin 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine available in a variety of tastes and strengths zin nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction try zin nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back your fresh start is here take the zin 10 challenge today at zin.com 10 that's zyn.com 10 zin nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Taking a look at what we have on deck for Thursday's action, and it's going to be really exciting. Uh, lots of uh, quarterfinal actions in You have quarterfinal actions in the ACC, quarterfinals in the Big East. We'll have uh, quarterfinals in the Big 12. Um, So as we get, you know, geared up and and get ready to go, uh, quarterfinals in the Pac-12 as well. We'll see number two, Arizona. Uh, We will also see UCLA in action. Uh, We'll see USC. So the big schools finally getting the job done here. and, And Baylor is a very interesting team to me because I know they've been banged up but I think they're they I think Baylor is a team that has an outside chance at the number one overall seed 
And I don't know how the committee is going to evaluate the Bears and, and is going to look at their injuries and say, yeah, great wins all season. They have um, all, you know, the, the how many, 15 or so quad one wins, and it's been a great season. But this isn't that team now. But you can't deny if they run through the Big 12 tournament and then win this thing. So do they even earn a one seed if they don't win the Big 12 tournament? Baylor's a team, though, I would be looking at as they move through here. They have a matchup with Oklahoma in the quarterfinal coming up here on Thursday. Also taking their first step towards an eventual conference title, the Villanova Wildcats. You guys know how I feel about them. Uh, I don't think there's anybody on this network that's as high on Villanova as I am. They're definitely going to win the Big East tournament, in my opinion. Potential to be a two-seed. They're plus 130, by the way, to win the Big East tournament. A potential two-seed, if they should go through and and win the Big East tournament, especially with some uh, big wins, you know, beating some good teams along the way. But I would just like this team to go to the Final Four, especially if they're in the East region. East region for Villanova means first two games in Pittsburgh, okay, travel across the state, whatever. But Sweet 16 regional final in Philly at the Wells Fargo Center where they play several home games a year. They know the sight lines. They know the arena. They would win against who they're going to have to play. Let's say they have to play Kansas. I think I'd take Nova. The problem is is if Nova winds up being like a three-seed and has to face a team like Kentucky. Mm. So seeding's going to matter. And how do you improve your seeding? Conference tournament time. That's why this week is so important. So it's not just about backing the teams that we know are desperate for wins to get into the tournament, but it's also about backing teams that know that there's seeding on the line. A team like Nova could get a two seed. A team like Duke playing. I don't think Duke's going to get a one seed, but... Duke certainly in line for a two seed. I think in the SEC, if Kentucky wins the SEC, do they have a chance at a one seed? I think the answer has to be yes. Now, obviously, it matters who they beat and how they win these games. But if you're asking me, is the the possibility of Kentucky getting a one seed or Auburn getting a one seed? Absolutely. Whichever team goes on to win that conference, I think should get a one seed. And right now, look at those odds to be a one seed. Arizona's a lock. Baylor is a lock, which is interesting. Kansas plus 200. And I think that if Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament, you're going to have to make them a one seed. Then you get Kansas and Baylor as one seeds. I think Kentucky or Auburn, whoever wins that conference, is getting a one seed. Those other teams uh, don't don't have a chance. Someone's going to get left off the one line that deserves a one seed, and they will be the most dangerous two seed, which gets paired up against that fourth one seed. So let's say it's, you know, Kentucky against Kentucky as a two, Kansas as the one. Uh, you know, Auburn as the two, Kansas as the one. Uh, they wouldn't put them, uh, they wouldn't do that. I mean, they, Auburn, yep. Baylor. As the one and 
Duke as the two. That's where things get real, real dicey. So, games that we uh, know about for Thursday. Not a lot of lines out just yet, although some of them are. Some of the matchups we already have spreads on. Uh, So the games that we know about, Michigan, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Indiana. I kind of like Indiana there. Desperation time for Mike Woodson's squad. Florida is a two-point favorite over Texas A&M. Texas, a a five-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU. Let me tell you something about TCU. This is a team that is feisty. This is a team that, first of all, beat Kansas and then gave Kansas a, a fit in that game at Fog Allen, a game that I thought Kansas was going to roll over them, but they didn't. They had back-to-back wins against top 10 teams when they beat Kansas, uh, Texas Tech, excuse me, before they beat Kansas. Last time they played Texas, though, on the road, they did lose by nine, and uh, earlier in the season, they get blown out by 23. This is a different time, though. Third time you're facing a team Teams tend to tighten up come conference tournament time. We already saw a bunch of underdogs do well here in the major com- in the, the the Power Five conferences. TCU could be a live dog against Texas, although that defense is just sometimes could be stifling. Other teams, uh, we have LSU, eleven point favorites over Mizzou. We got, let's see. Hmm, I'm talking, looking at Power 5 numbers here. That seems to be it. for Oh, Michigan State, a three-point favorite over Maryland. Baylor, eight and a half over Oklahoma. So those are some of the games that we know about. Alabama, five and a half over Vanderbilt. I am so curious about this Alabama team. Because they could be dangerous. We've seen them be dangerous. Alabama beats Gonzaga on a neutral floor, which really wasn't a neutral floor because the game was in Seattle, so it might as well have been a home game for Gonzaga. They then follow that win up with a win against Houston. They compete, or they beat Baylor, but then they get, you know, they compete against other teams. They I know they ended the season not looking so good with the back-to-back losses against Texas A&M and LSU. But Alabama certainly has the recipe to make some noise here, not just in the SEC Conference Tournament, but in the NCAA Tournament. Latest uh, bracketology has Alabama as the five seed in the South. If they should avoid the 12-5, dreaded 12-5 upset, I think they're live moving forward. And should they win their second-round game come Sweet 16 time, matching up with a one seed? That's a dangerous game. Lenardi has them in the South, which would mean when they get to the Sweet 16 a game against the number one seed Baylor, whom they already beat this season. (laughs) Wild. I I don't know if I'm going to lay the five and a half with Alabama, 
but I kind of like it. Kind of do. And then we'll wait to see some of the spreads here with all the games that we have to uh, unfold, especially with teams that just won on Wednesday. We don't have spreads on those games for Thursday just yet. They'll come out uh, in a little while. But, you know, I'm curious what Notre Dame that line's going to be. I'm curious what the North Carolina line is going to be, the Villanova line as well. Seton Hall UConn is uh, intriguing to me. So we'll take a look at all of those and really see which teams have the capability of pulling off some upsets. Coming up next, Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN Stats and Info from the Daily Wager will join me in studio as we'll continue the College Hoops Madness conversation. It's coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team conference and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Seidenberg back here with you, joined in studio by Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN Stats and Info, The Daily Wager, and... Conference tournament time, it's a great time here in town, obviously, with all the tournaments that are taking place here in Las Vegas. But it's also a time to maybe learn a little bit more about these teams as we get ready for the NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday coming up just a few days away. What have you learned so far from Conference Tournament Week? Um, I've really just been it's, – it's, one thing I've learned is it's it's just fun watching all these teams play on a neutral site because we've seen these guys play home. We've seen these guys play away for so long. And now we just have a different atmosphere to, to evaluate all these teams as opposed to, you know, getting your home crowd in front of mm-hmm. you, dealing with the, the road crowd. Now it's just a completely different environment. And for some teams, it can be a brand new season. Like, for example, Xavier today, it's like, oh, they struggled down the stretch, get the brand new season, the Big East tournament. Let's see how they do. And they lose to Butler and maybe knock themselves out of the tournament. So it's just nice watching these guys, teams on neutral environments, see how they respond to that. How invested are you in the teams that are right on the bubble? The teams <laughs> that are desperate for wins. Uh, Vatek, we saw them get a victory. Virginia is a team that's probably still not going to get in unless they win maybe two more games. Uh, Xavier, you mentioned um, they lose. SMU coming up on Friday definitely needs a win. Rutgers needs a win coming up on Friday. Uh, how much will you be leaning on some of the teams that need to win for their tournament lives? Not at all, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, because if, if you look at it, like, yes, you're right. That you look at some teams and that they're squarely on the bubble, they have the motivation. I totally get that. But then you also look at a team like Xavier that's squarely on the bubble that loses to Butler. You look at a team like Wake Forest, which blows a big lead late in the mm. game when they're squarely on the bubble. They're probably still in. I know Lenardi had them in the last four buys yeah. entering today. I think he still has them in the last four in. But 
you know, for every team you can point to that's on the bubble and gets the big win, like Virginia Tech, there's other teams you can point to that can't handle the pressure or just for whatever reason, they have an off night and they lose and they go down. Indiana, Michigan coming up here on Thursday is a game where both of these teams need wins. I do think Michigan, if they lose, is still into the tournament. Indiana, though, is definitely out if they lose. I completely agree with you. If they win, I think they got a chance because, you know, we're, we're not asking them to get in as, you know, we're asking them just to get into the playing round. Correct. I think they got a chance. Can Indiana beat Michigan, Michigan laying three on Thursday? I, I wanted to take Indiana in this game, but it's just so hard the way Michigan's been playing recently. Michigan's a more talented team. I actually have an Indiana In the future. first game with Juwan Howard back in several weeks. I, not several weeks, but yeah, you know. I mean, I don't even know if that's an upgrade. Phil Martelli's <laughs> done a pretty good job there. But uh, yeah, but I, I think that's a pretty close game. I think it should be a pretty good game. I don't have a strong lean on either side right now. I, I tried, tried, to convince, tried to convince myself that Indiana when I saw three earlier today, but I just couldn't do it. And now it's two and a half. Uh, I, to me, that's a stay away game. But uh, both those teams, Michigan in particular, might be a team to look for in the tournament, especially since they started the year with such high metrics in so many different categories. And then now they're going to sneak in the tournament, probably get like a 10-11 seed. Just hope they stay out of the 8-9 range so they don't have to face those one seeds. Speaking of uh, the top seeds, uh, Duke, disappointing end to the regular season. Coach K has to preempt his ceremony by apologizing to the crowd. We'll get, there. we'll get our first look at Duke in the ACC tournament quarterfinal against the Syracuse team that just ran Florida State out of the gym here on Wednesday. And I always say about Jim Beheim squads, they could be terrible all season long. But Jim Beheim is tournament tested. He knows what it takes to win these games. Can Syracuse keep it close with Duke? I don't think so. I've already bet the, the Duke, to be honest with you. I think this is a, a smash spot for Duke, you, yeah, especially without Buddy Beheim for Syracuse. That's a huge loss for them. Syracuse relies on its bench so little. They, they basically play their starters all 40 mm -hmm. minutes, pretty much all of them. Beheim, or, uh, yeah, Buddy Beheim basically averages over 38 minutes per game. I mean, he, play, he plays more as many games with 40 minutes as he does with less than 30 minutes. So I think without Beheim, that's a huge loss for them. Duke's been hearing from Mike Krzyzewski all weekend mm. about – you know, how could you lose this game, all that. I think this is an angry Duke team after the loss to North Carolina. Syracuse got boat raced in both meetings this year by Duke. Had no answer for them inside. I mean, the, the key for Syracuse recently has been the play of Cole Swider, former Villanova uh, transfer, who, when he, he's had some really good games recently. He had, I mean, today he was on fire against Florida yeah. State. But then right before that, he's had a four-point game, a six-point game, had a 25-point game right before that. He's just been very inconsistent for them recently. I don't think he can defend these Duke guys inside. And so maybe if he shoots well, then Syracuse has a chance to cover the 13. But I think this is a smash spot for Duke first half and full game. If it's not Duke in the ACC conference tournament, who is it? <sighs> and feel free to say it's not going to be anybody but Duke. <laughs> I mean, I have a best on Duke to win the ACC tournament, so I think it's Duke. I mean, the two teams that I think have the best chance outside of Duke are North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's been a team that's underachieved all season compared to their metrics, got the close win today to stay alive. North Carolina, I, I saw them play earlier this year against Kentucky at T-Mobile, at, at and that was one of the worst college basketball games I've ever seen. Too. <laughs> North Carolina got absolutely destroyed in that game, and I was right behind the Carolina bench to see all of that, but... But Carolina, I mean, we saw them play against Duke, and they beat them, the familiarity and all that. I, I, I think Carolina's got an outside chance, but to me, this is Duke or, Duke or out of the field. I, I agree. Uh, Duke a Final Four team? I don't think so, honestly. I think mm. they're too young. I, I, 
they have plenty of talent. I, I just think that if you have me power rank the best teams in college basketball, I don't put them in my top four. I, I, I don't even know if I put them in my top eight, to be honest with wow. you. And these young teams that rely so much on the freshmen, I don't re- usually like to take them to make deep runs in the tournament. What team, uh, give me a team that you've have, you have highlighted here, uh, whether it's conference tournament time or come you know, next week when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Who are you looking out for? Uh, one team I've been riding recently is Arkansas. I've been one of the hottest teams okay. in the country for the last few weeks. Another one is Memphis, who if you actually look at like the Bartorvik splits, since the start of February, they're a top five team in the country. I got a bet on Memphis to win the American Athletic Conference tournament over in, uh, in FedEx Forum. If you look at the odds, I don't, I don't know. If, if you look at the odds compared to the predictive metrics and what they, the percentage chances, it doesn't look like a great bet on paper, but it's so hard to evaluate this Houston team. I mean, they're top five in BPI and, and net and Ken Palm and pretty much every advanced predictive metric you can look at, but it's just so much, but do you really trust the team that lost Sasser and Tremont Mark earlier in the year? And even though they played so well without them, every time they've gotten a step up in competition without them, they haven't really done that well. They haven't really gotten too many steps up mm-hmm. in competition in the American, but I think Memphis is, is a I think Memphis is the pick in the American Athletic Conference. Memphis plus 300 on DraftKings to win the American Athletic Conference. Uh, Certainly would be a team you'd look at on a game-by-game basis uh, for Memphis as they progress through. Who's a team that you are looking to fade here in conference tournament time or, as I mentioned before, maybe next week come the NCAA tournament? I mean, Duke was one of the the teams I was looking to fade next week. Uh, USC is another one I don't necessarily trust. I've watched them play a couple times. I, I agree really with like you them. on USC because uh, I know that they had a tremendous season. I know they've won a ton of games. But it just seems like every time I watch them, and this is why I know there's a lot of professional gamblers that don't even watch the games. You know, bet the numbers, don't watch the games. I get it. For me, I can't do that. <laughs> I got money on the line. I want to see it. And it just seems like every time I bet a USC game, they play terribly. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) they either lose, they don't cover, and I'm sitting here wondering, this is a good team? They're terrible. You should have heard me in the studio when they uh, were playing against, I guess it was Oregon State maybe, and then I was like, this is is the worst team in the country. I was like, I don't know how this team team can play or how this team thinks that they're going to be, you know, uh, make a deep tournament run or go to the Sweet 16 or something. This team stinks, right? I watched plenty of that game, too. That was a double overtime game. I was here in studio that day as well, so so that was rough. So I am absolutely with you on fading USA. And I don't necessarily trust Andy Enfield either. Yes, he had the success at Florida Gulf Coast. For a while, he was one of the best coaches against the spread in the NCAA tournament because of that spread, because of that run. But mm-hmm. I don't trust him to play defense. I watched him play Arizona the other day. Obviously, Arizona is one of the best teams in the country, but they played no defense in that game. They barely even like it didn't even look like they were trying at times in that game, to be honest. I know you're a Villanova guy. They win in the Big East tournament. I think so. I mean, every, ever since Big East realignment in, uh, in 2013, Villanova's either won the regular season or the Big East t- uh, tournament title every single year. This year, they didn't win the regular season title. Part of it's because Providence had three games canceled. Mm-hmm. There would have been underdogs mm-hmm. in all three of those games, but we don't need to get into that right now. But Villanova is the best team in, this, in the league, so I think that they should be the favorites to win that, and they are the favorites to win that. They do have a bit of a tough path. They have to face St. John's at the Garden. St. John's, obviously, that's one of their home arenas, laying five and a half, I believe I saw, which I actually think I like Villanova in that game. Josh Alexander sometimes gives Callum Gillespie some issues, but five and a half, that number seems pretty seems pretty low to me. Villanova's going to have a ton of fans in that building. That's not really going to be a home, field, home court advantage for St. John's. Villanova always shows up in the Big East tournament, though this year they got to deal with UConn fans who can show up to the Big East tournament mm-hmm. for the first time ever, and they have to play UConn in the semifinals most likely, so tougher path for Villanova than the one-seed Providence, but you know Villanova is the best team according to every metric, and I, I think they're going to get it done. 
I might just hold my breath and hammer Villanova money line coming up on Thursday. That might be, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I've, I got burned the last time against St. John's. St. John's went on a big run late in the game. I think I might do that. <laughs> uh, he's Mackenzie Kramer. We're going to continue the college basketball talk, plus get some golf winners for the Players' Championship coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, joined in studio by Mackenzie Kramer, the ESPN Stats and Info, the Daily Wager. And we talked about Villanova in the Big East. I know you're a Nova guy. I feel like I'm the number one Villanova fan here at VSIN. I'm going to be on them. I got to see the bracket, of course, but I'm going to be on them to make the Final Four. Right now, it's six to one at DraftKings. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on 25 to one to win the national title as well. Can Villanova get to the Final Four? Get to the Final Four, yes. Win it all is going to be a bit of a tough climb. Well, at least I can hedge off of it once I get there. Oh, absolutely. I think 25-1 to is a fair bet. They're probably going to get a two or a three seed if they win the Big East tournament like we think they will, what we said last segment. A two seed seems like a lock. I mean, the one is pretty much out the window at this point, but they should get a two. And like you said, they could get Philadelphia. Now we have to see if the the committee will actually put them in Philly as a two seed. Back in 2016, both Xavier and Villanova were on the two line, and Xavier got Philadelphia, even though Villanova was ahead of them on the S-curve. So we'll see if if, Villano- if the committee will actually reward Villanova f- with Philadelphia. But uh, e- but either way, I think the getting to the Final Four is well within the realm of possibilities for them because their top six guys are as good as pretty much any top six guys in the country. They don't, they don't have any depth beyond that, really. And the other positive for Villanova is the top six guys are all starting to play well at the same time. Colin Gillespie's been really good all year. Justin Moore has been, been hitting his stride recently. But the key recently has been the, the emergence of Brandon Slater. Early in the year, Brandon Slater was getting some NBA buzz because he was playing unbelievable at the start of the year, averaging over about 14 points per game, shooting over 60% from the field, 50% from three. And then he got hurt. And then the middle of the season, he just kept putting a very few points for a long time. And Recently, he's been putting up about 10 points a game, shooting 60%, driving pretty well. Even Jermaine Samuels, who hadn't hit multiple threes in a game since like mid-December, <laughs> he's, been, he's been hitting some threes recently. So the key with Villanova is if they can get all five guys on the court shooting at the same time, like their offense can be as good as any team in the country. Now, we've also seen Villanova's offense fall apart when they played Baylor early in this year at Waco. I don't even know if they, I don't think they broke 40 points in that game. I tried to get it out of my memory, mm. but uh I think getting to the Final Four, they can match up well against pretty much every team. Obviously, they'll be an underdog against a one seed, but outside of that, and like we talked about before, Jay Wright in March. That's yeah. That when I was in school, Jay Wright in March used to be, oh, he gets a low seed, and then they overachieve every year. Uh-huh. And then for a while, the narrative was, oh, Jay it's Wright's a high gonna... seed, and they're out of the tournament. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they win two national ch- titles, and the narrative flipped again. So. Uh, that's kind of my take on Villanova right now, though. You know, uh, another thing I love about the Wildcats is that they're the best free-throw shooting team in the country. And in these tournament situations, late in the game, you know fouls come into play, 
You've got to make your free throws. And they make all their free throws, which doesn't allow teams to come back on them. So that's what I love. And not only are they the best free throw shooting team, team this year, they're on pace to be the best free throw shooting team in the history of Division yeah, I men's crazy. basketball. It's and and if you look at some of their losses, free throw shooting kind of bit them in some of those losses. The UConn game, Caleb Daniels missing a friend another one-on-one. The UCLA game, they missed some free throws late. So. Listen, to the, in, that was not a held ball, okay? And uh, it, we, there's a lot of things that went wrong for, for Villanova this season that the refs did not uh, – uh, help them out here. Other teams in that range, as far as in the futures market to reach the Final Four, uh, any feel for a Texas Tech, UCLA, Illinois, Houston, Tennessee, anybody in that range? Tennessee, I have a future on at sixty to one. I wouldn't really go where they are right now. Mm-hmm. What, what are they? Thirty-five to one. I should. I would assume at DraftKings right now, but. To win the title, thirty-five to one. Yeah, to make yeah. the final four, they are what did I say they were. Tennessee was seven to one. Yeah, but, but I mean, Rick Barnes in March, it's really hard to trust him. But you look at that team; their offense has been getting a little bit better over the second half of the season. We know their defense is one of the best in the country. They have the NBA point caliber point guard, at least the athlete in Kennedy Chandler. Like they have some pieces there. So thirty-five to one's a little bit low for me. Houston's fascinating just because, like I said in the last block. They're top five in every predictive metric, and they have a coach in Kelvin Sampson who's one of the best coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust them, but they're one of the few teams that if you look at the Ken Palms, the BPIs, the Bart Torviks, that they'll tell you that Houston's a really good bet at those odds. I don't know if I can trust myself to pull the trigger, but Houston's an interesting team. And then UCLA, they were in the Final Four last year. Yep. They brought back all those guys. I mean, they, their season kind of got wrecked a little bit by COVID in the midseason, but, you know, I— I, th- I think they have a chance to make a run, too. I-, I don't know if I like any of them to bet on right now. I don't know if there's any value on them. Alabama might be a somewhat interesting team you mentioned earlier. Alabama's, I- Alabama's 12-1. to 1. Wisconsin's also 12-1. to 1. What about Wisconsin? We know that in the tournament, sometimes it just comes down to one player taking over, and if healthy, which is a big concern, Johnny Davis has the ability to take over games. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I— Wisconsin's one of those teams, along with Providence, that all year we just talk about the luck factor with these two teams. Sure. They just win every single close game. In fact, what was, what was the, uh, the Purdue game where they, where they made a couple bank shots, wild bank shots down the stretch to win that game? But, but, uh, and then they lost a close game to Nebraska in the last game, so they kind of moved down the luck factor there. But, but Davis left the early second half. Yeah, so. exactly. But the key with them and the key with a lot of these teams, honestly, for me, is it's really important to get a top three seed this year or a top four seed, too, because – the 12 seeds this year, the, every year we talk about the bubble being super weak. I think this bubble is actually slightly stronger than usual. You mm-hmm. have teams early in the season that had expectations that have legit talent like Michigan. You have pretty good mid-major teams that might get on the 12 line, the North Texases of the world. Like I, I think it's a really important this year to get a top four seed. So I, I wouldn't look to any team beyond a five that uh, to make a future yeah. major on. They always say a 12 always beats a five. I think actually in recent years, it's kind of changed. It's been kind of that... Uh... The 13s against the um, the fours have pulled upsets. So uh, that's definitely places where you want to look. Um, let's talk some golf. We got the fifth major coming up here this weekend, the Players' Championship. Weather could be a factor. Um, there's rain, there's wind, uh, so we don't know how many delays there are going to be. John Rahm is your betting favorite. I'm going to have something on John Rahm just because he's due. So I'm going to play something on a little rum. I'm not going to touch the co-favorite in Justin Thomas, but other players I like, Colin Morikawa, hard to not love him. 
And uh, moving a little further down the list, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, 25-1, to 30-1, to 1, depending on where you look, is another guy I'll be on. Who, who do you like in this tournament? I pretty much just agree with all of your takes right yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. I so, don't, all I, right, guys, we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next, next block. But, no, I never bet favorites in golf. I rarely venture below 15-1, to 1, below 20-1, to 1, but I'm on John Rahm this week. We're seeing him at 11-1, 12-1. The last time he had odds this long was the Memorial Tournament last year where he infamously led by six and then had a withdrawal with COVID after finishing his third round. That's obviously not predictive, but what might be predictive is his last 24 rounds, he is first in strokes gained off the tee. He is first in strokes gained off the approach. What's hurt him is his around the green game and his putting game has kind of left him the last few weeks. But if he can flip that, and we know he's, he can putt, like, out of all the guys who are on the top of the board, all these elite ball strikers, he might be the guy whose putting stroke I trust the most. Hmm. So I like Rama 12. Morikawa's, or, or 10, I see he's on there. Morikawa, I, I like him too. I, I, really, I just have to make, you have to make a decision at the top of the board. You can't bet anybody, everybody. Morikawa, I like because he can get hit fa- a lot of fairways, and I think that's going to be huge this week because with the, way, with, with the wind, with the weather, with the rain, I think there's a chance this could be lift clean and placed. And if that's the case, you want guys in the fairway because being in the fairway becomes that much of a bigger advantage than if you're in the rough and dealing with, you know, the the rain and the thick mm-hmm, rough. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of reports this week that that rough is pretty brutal. But I, I didn't bet Morikawa, but I'm on Ram. I'm also on Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki's won three times in his last 20 starts, taking back to the Masters. At, shot a 63 in this tournament two years ago in the first round before uh, the pandemic changed the entire world. But his tee to green, green game has been pretty pretty good recently. He also won the Sony Open this year, which some think, people think is a comp course, another short course. So uh, those are a couple guys I like. We go down the board. Will Zalatoris around 50 to one. I, ha- I uh, have a play on him. He's- I've played Zalatoris every week uh, because all the guys here at Vsin, you know, the Matt Humans, Wes Reynolds, everyone's always on Zalatoris uh, and. and- I'm just going to keep playing him until he wins. I don't blame, I don't blame you at all. I, I don't like betting guys who've never won before. That's yeah. why I, like, I love Sung J.M. when he was coming up, but I, could, I wasn't on his first win. I love Scotty Scheffler. I had a bet with one of, one of my friends from work about a year and a half ago that he would beat Jordan Spieth to a win. Didn't happen, but it did beat him to two wins. But, mm-hmm. but Zalatoris, to me, the number is good enough in the 50 range. The, the thing with golf is you really need to line shop because, like, DraftKings, and for some guys, they'll have the best odds on the board. Other Other guys, you can find, you know, 40 to 1 there, it might be 50 to 1 another book. Mm-hmm. Rob might be 10 to 1 there, 12 to 1 another book. Like, you got to shop around with golf and find the best numbers. That's that's the biggest key for me when it comes to golf betting. Yeah, I might uh, play all the, the, I think I have like eight guys I might play for outrights, and I think I'm going to play all eight of them top 10 <laughs> as well, just to kind of cover my, you know, CYA a little bit and uh, see what happens. Mackenzie, great information. Loved having you in studio. Uh, go Villanova tomorrow, okay? Okay. We're, we're going to hammer the Wildcats. And yes, I'm going to hold my breath and go money line. <laughs> or maybe, as you said, Duke first half money line with Nova money line for the game. Yeah, back to back to like minus 110 range. Yeah. Or even Duke full game. Well, Duke full game money line is going to be too much. But yeah. I like something like that. Hey, he's Mackenzie Graber, ESPN Stats and Information, The Daily Wager. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. 